0: I linked up with the host of the other Locked On Big 12 podcast to talk Big 12 power rankings. Heading into week five, both what the teams have faced and what they will be facing. Plus, the 2011 Cowboy football team will be recognized this weekend. All of that on today's episode of Locked On Pokes. You are Locked On Pokes, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. What is up, Cowboy fans? Welcome to the Lockdown Pokes podcast, your daily Oklahoma State podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. I'm your host, Linda Godfrey, co-host of Fantasy Besties and avid Oklahoma State fan. You can follow me on Twitter at Lindellian's you can follow the show at locked underscore on underscore pokes on Twitter or follow the show on the Locked On Pokes Facebook page. Make sure you follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app to get the latest shows every weekday here with Locked On Pokes. Now, Josh Neighbors of Locked On Big 12 gave us his power rankings. Oklahoma State ranked after Oklahoma, Texas, and Baylor. This is a quick look at how Lockdown Big 12 hosts felt about those rankings, kind of what we've seen from these teams as opposed to what we'll see looking forward. So take a listen. John, I'm going to go to
1: you first. I was actually talking with somebody else today, and they made the case that actually Texas could be number one in somebody's power ranking if they won. Do you still think, and I know you do yours every single week for Sooners Wire. Do you think Oklahoma is still hanging on to that top spot? Who do you think should be number two? What are your thoughts on kind of maybe this Oklahoma-Texas pre-Red River kind of showdown here in the Power Rankings?
2: Yeah, it's like uh, D'Angelo Barksdale told Bodie Bratis and Wallace on uh, season one of The Wire, the king stays the king. And until somebody mm-hmm. knocks off Oklahoma, they're, n- they're number one. And there's, I mean, there's a good chance that that could happen this week against K-State. Chris Kleiman has gotten Lincoln around number, at least in the first two matchups. And that Texas matchup, man, it's got me nervous. And it should have most Oklahoma Sooners fans. You know, Oklahoma's got a defense that might be able to slow down Casey, slow down Casey Thompson. Like, what are we even talking about right now? <laughs> like, Casey Thompson is a quarterback that you have to worry about slowing down so it, you know the two offenses are going in completely different directions right now uh, texas looks like the second coming of a lincoln riley offense and uh oklahoma they're trying to win games defensively which is
1: strange all right linda i you tweeted about maybe having some issues was this just twitter fodder or do you actually have some problems with the way the list is currently constructed i see i know your pokes are at number four they're
0: behind baylor Do you have any problems with the way the list is constructed right there, especially? First of all, I think people are far more sold on Texas than I am sold on Texas. I know Casey Thompson played really well. I know that they played really well against Texas tech, but it's Texas tech, which I think we need to take into consideration because their defense was abysmal. It hasn't been great. It was extra, not great on Saturday. So putting up huge numbers against Texas Tech doesn't bode super confidence in me for them to jump as as high as they did in the rankings and I think Baylor played well against Iowa State but I also don't think Iowa State is the team that we thought Iowa State was heading into the season. Oklahoma State has flashed on defense all season and they finally put together at least a half of really well thought out offensive play so there I'm I Maybe I'm biased, I'm probably biased, but I think they are better than Baylor. I think they may be better than Texas because I'm not sure that that Texas proved enough playing against somebody like Texas Tech.
1: Here's the thing. I have Baylor ahead of Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State beats them this week, though. But I just think from a part of this also, too, is I, I like to give each kind of team their shine, right? I had Kansas State number two last week. Full well knowing what was coming for Kansas state, (laughs) not just this week, but in the coming weeks, I was kind of trying to give them their shine with the opportunity to, I think it's Baylor's turn. If you will. I think, I think really that's, that's kind of where we're at because if you think about, and I, as kind of go to you on this, uh, you can talk TCU or two, but I I know, you know, obviously you worked uh, in this market and and you're very familiar with Baylor, but in terms of teams that have reached their potential or or executed and and, and competed to the highest possible standard. I mean, Baylor Baylor is the team that has done the best job. They had a pretty much flawless first month of the season in terms of record and also performance, and that kind of manifested itself because I actually thought Iowa State played a really good game on Saturday and I thought Baylor went out and beat him. So give me your thoughts on that. And then also in my jobbing TCU by putting them at number eight. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think
3: we talked about this last week in kind of a tongue in cheek way, but it is sort of amazing. Um, the job that, you know, two guys that Jacob knows really well and Jeff Grimes and Eric Mateos have done with that offensive line up front. I mean, they're completely different and they benefited from some transfers like Jake McGall coming over from Buffalo and, um, the young man from Vandy, who I can't remember now, who's playing center for them. But anyway, like, they've reworked that that whole O-line. And that's a position that takes a lot of cohesion. It takes a lot of working together. Um, and they're just leaps and bounds better than they were. And, man, like, Gary Bohannon, uh, like, the little bit we saw of him the last few years, I thought he was honestly just a guy that was kind of like uh, Blake Bell, like the belldozer, mm-hmm. like just a, a dude who you could use in special packages and was big and physical, but, I mean, he's going through progressions. Like, he's finding his wideouts. The, the one thing I will say about that game that I found interesting, um, Iowa State, and I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to this, but seeing the Baylor game and seeing people talk about this week, their special teams is terrible. So and bad. if they don't let Treston Ebner take one to the house on a kickoff return and have a bad punt, they might win that game. They is kicked to him again. They kicked to yeah. him a second time. And their defense settled down and actually played a lot better after those first couple drives of the game. So do people learn from that at all? Do other teams have the personnel to do what they did against Baylor later in the game? And, um, yeah, before I get TCU, I did want to say I would, not just because I have a healthy level of respect and I'm a little bit scared of Linda, I would put Oklahoma State a little higher as well. You know, I Mm -hmm. think that resume with – the, the win on the road against Boise by basically just playing like lights out defense, um, beating a, a well-coached, disciplined K-State team thoroughly at home was really impressive. And, and as far as TCU goes, I mean, I, I do think they're better than eight, and um, I feel like they'll bounce back somewhat this week. I'm not picking them to beat Texas, but I, I think that'll be a competitive game. Uh, but, yeah, I, you know, they lost to SMU. They got really bludgeoned by the Ponies. Um, they – edged out Cal, who does not look like a particularly good Pac-12 team, and they beat Duquesne. So based on what they've done, eight seems pretty fair. And, uh, yeah, if they
1: play like they did on Saturday, there's not many teams in the Big 12 I think they can beat. I think I think TCU is allowing something like 17 yards for completion right now. Like the, it, it is absolutely unreal.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, and Gary
1: Patterson's up. worried about SMU planting
2: the flag. Needs to word. Yeah. About so,
1: so before we get into, <laughs> yes. general, like, uh we have to get to this. So, can you just so can you describe people at home who are not maybe abreast of what is happening? What has happened in this weird Jerry Kill TCU SMU saga? Yeah. So
3: Gary on Saturday, uh, so they lose the game. SMU decides to run out there with uh, a flag. They've rebranded themselves as, like, the School of Dallas. So they have this big, like, Dallas flag. They play in the midfield. TCU gets mad. There's, like, a little fight that breaks out. This happens. Whatever. Not a huge deal. Um, So then in the postgame presser, Gary says that Jerry Kill got hit in the head by someone. He thought it was an SMU player, and he said they were going to investigate and find out who it was and prosecute that person in the full extent of the law. Well, he didn't say that part, but, like, that was kind of the vibe he was getting. Just... And, like, so GP, God bless him, he, he's a sore loser, which is not necessarily a bad quality for your college football coach, but he has a tendency to do this. Like, I compared it this week on the podcast to my six-year-old, Like, if he gets in trouble, all of a sudden he just wants to talk about his sister, how she hit him in the head ten minutes earlier. And I'm just like, okay, that has nothing to do with you giving peanut butter the dog. Like, we're talking about two separate things, man. But every time he loses an embarrassing game like this, suddenly it's, oh, well, you know, they're just not classy. So, on Tuesday – and, and also on Monday, I think Zach Barnett from Football Scoop put out a video that showed like it was actually a TCU player, like in the midst of all the chaos that knocked Jerry Kill over. So then on Tuesday, Gary's asked about it again. And in a moment where everybody thinks he's going to be like, yeah, I was wrong. My bad. He doubled down and went on a long rant about how, you know, if they wouldn't have charged the field, this wouldn't have happened. And, their Twitter account made fun of his. Now that's what I call country music single that he put out last year. (laughs) And he just like he just starts talking and talking. So yeah, that's that's what's going on. We are not only we not only lost to TCU or SMU, but now our coach has has made a mockery of himself (laughs) in the (laughs) Philippines. I I loved your
2: tweet by the way. It was it was what it was exactly what it says like losing to SMU. It's like, yeah, that's maybe yeah, was, SMU was, and then undermining your AD.
3: It was, awesome. it was the Drake meme where he's yeah. like, it's like one is like that, and then he's like, yeah, because also in the middle of all this, SMU comes out with a statement, and their AD is like, I talked to Jeremiah Donati, the TCU AD, and he told me, hey, Gary's going to back off these comments. Like, don't worry. Well, Gary did not back off those
4: comments.
1: he yeah. has <laughs> so, got so much clout where he's like, no, nah, I'm good.
3: Yeah, I'm good. it's like, whatever.
4: I don't, don't
1: the a department I think what's what's interesting here is like i didn't i mean I have a lot of concerns about Gary Patterson because we keep we keep saying like the turnaround's coming the turnaround's coming the turnaround's coming like i, I don't want the I don't want the end to be this comical but maybe if there's a way to go out maybe this is the way to do it um <laughs> would you say yeah. that's okay stephen yeah maybe it's the way to do it i mean out. listen like this is who he is he is your crazy grandpa
3: at Thanksgiving and like when he's winning games, it, it's cool, it's endearing, and it's sort of like, Yeah, Grandpa Joe says some silly things, but he also always brings candy and that's he's a fun guy. But when he's losing, it's just like, Man, we gotta take care of this dude. Like we gotta bend over backwards because he likes to watch Matlock at three <laughs> thirty.
1: This is gonna be way.
4: Steven, can I just say I am super excited to have Gary Patterson facing BYU again? Because there were some absolutely epic rants back in the day when they were members of the Mountain West together. So yeah. I'm very excited.
3: Mountain West rivalries, let's renew
4: them. I like
1: it. Uh, speaking of which, so I, so now, Jacob, I want to ask you: Where do you think BYU would fit into this into this uh, schedule or, because, or this this power ranking here? Because they had such a great start to the season. A little bit surprising, and then also you can talk a little bit about uh, you know former BYU coaches Mateo, uh, Mateos and uh, Grimes and the job they've done at, at Baylor with that offense. So where do you think BYU would fit? And then talk about those two coaches if you could.
4: Well, funny enough, I'd actually have them jostling with Baylor right there, probably for that number three spot right behind Oklahoma and Texas. I think it's kind of where they would slot in BYU off to an absolutely dream start four zero on the year. I think the. Little concerning factors, the fact that they kinda of just took their foot off the gas against USF this past weekend, still got the victory, but obviously much closer than most people anticipated. The thing about Baylor is that Jeff Grimes, when he showed up to BYU now it been four seasons ago, he came in with a plan to make the offensive line just the dominant force for BYU. And you saw that over the three years he was the offensive coordinator in Provo. That offensive line got better and better. Four guys from last year's team got NFL opportunities off of that offensive line. They've just essentially reloaded this year, put new guys into those slots, and they just kind of carried forward. It's kind of the legacy that Jeff Grimes left. And Eric Mateos, he was there for the two years, uh, the final two years of Jeff Grimes' tenure, did a great job as well. I like both of those guys and their impact already in Waco is very evident. And funny enough, it's going to be cool to see BYU and Baylor squaring off here in a couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, that's the cool part. And I think what's interesting is this kind of speaks to the job they've done. Zach Wilson and Gary Bahannon are two completely different quarterbacks. I mean, they, yeah. they are very much different guys and level of success. The zone, we all, this is calling card a zone blocking scheme. I mean, they've, the Outside, they love
4: outside zone. It's, the wide, kind of wide their... zone running scheme is what they like to call it. Yes,
1: they wide zone running scheme, and Baylor's done it pretty much perfection. Also, credit to Dave Aranda and, and for getting with those guys and making the right call of Gary Bahannon. They picked the guy who could take care of the ball the best, and I think that
0: that's paying dividends for them right now. Coming up, we dive a little bit deeper into those Big 12 power rankings as well as what these teams are looking at going forward. But first, one of the sponsors of today's show, Sweat Block, is stronger and more effective than the most clinical antiperspirants. We know how it gets in Oklahoma. It is hot here until, like, late October. So we understand what sweat does SweatBlock gives you a dry shirt guarantee. SweatBlock is doctor-created and doctor-recommended. Plus, it works up to seven days with one use. Wear what you want to wear with confidence. Get it today for 20% off SweatBlock.com with promo code LOCKEDON. Or at Amazon and CVS, this is a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag. Whether you're going on vacation, presenting something at work, going on a first date... Use locked on on sweatblock.com for a 20% discount. Again, that's locked on on sweatblock.com for a 20% discount. So, we went over kind of what the Big 12 teams have faced so far. Now, we're going to look ahead of the schedule what the power rankings look like when we're looking forward. Here is the roundtable thoughts. On
1: all right, let's get to some kind of some you know some, some talk about this fair conference, uh, John. The the Twitter conversation in the Oklahoma community is absolutely a fun one. Uh, the Spencer Rattler, you know the 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 Caleb Williams conversation. It's overblown. It's ridiculous. But what are your thoughts? What what's what is the fixes plural that this Oklahoma offense can can employ as they move forward?
2: Yeah, so I kind of threw it out there initially in jest on the Locked On Sooners Twitter account at Locked on Sooners. And I said, you know, the, the answer to Oklahoma's problems on offense isn't less Spencer Rattler. It's more Spencer Rattler. And by that, I mean, going to that traditional Mike Leach air raid where you're going to go four or five wide receivers and you're just going to sling the ball around. You're going to throw quick passes, use quick route concepts. You're not going to let him, you know, try to wait for the scissors route concept, you know, the corner post to develop downfield, or wait for that big, you know, that big uh, nine route to develop where he's having to, you know, hold the ball three seconds and then and then try to make a play. No, you're, you're setting him up so that he can throw quick slants, quick outs, you know, use the, the Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, you know, slant out combo, like use that Mm. over and over again until they can stop it against Tulane. They really rolled it out and and it was working the bubble screen game. I mean, they were throwing a ton of bubble screens, which I generally, I hate the bubble screen. Like it's not quite the tight end screen, but I don't like the bubble screen because I don't like throwing behind the line of scrimmage, but you got to get the ball out of Spencer Rattler's hands quickly go air raid just fully embrace it and then spread these teams out and then when they give you light boxes that's when you run eric or yeah eric gray and kennedy brooks you know your offensive line is doing okay it's not been great it's not been what oklahoma's standard is and so figure out a way to get the ball out of spencer rattler's hands quickly and just let them sling it just go full full in go all in and whatever happens happens but i think lincoln riley getting back to his roots in the Mike Leach area, that's the
1: way to go for Oklahoma's offense. I'm with you on that. The bubble screen can be effective, especially for a team that's not running the ball very well. It can always be kind of your run game, so mm-hmm. I think you're, you're spot on with that. Linda, your your team played a, a good half of offense, I guess. I mean, <laughs> an explosive half. I will say this. I don't think it's I don't think it's any coincidence that the best game Oklahoma State's offensive line had also ended up being the best game Spencer uh, Spencer Sanders had.
0: Uh, well, it was the second week in the ro- in a row that we rolled out the exact same offensive line, which is something that I preach day in and day out. That consistency, like I want them to live together. It's one mm-hmm. position, ultimately. Multiple people make it up, but if if they don't all work together, then the offensive line doesn't really matter much. So that consistency was huge, obviously, against Kansas State. We also had a bunch of weapons back in our wide receiver room. Tay Martin obviously makes a difference in the passing game. Jalen Warren played another fantastic game again behind who we assume is going to be the starting offensive line going forward. So I was really excited about all that, but Mike Gundy slash Casey Dunn tend to have this like all gas sometimes breaks in the second half though mentality. Like they get up far enough and then they go like, okay, now we just try not to lose. We're like, let's put up 70. I don't, I don't care what it looks like on the scoreboard, but to just completely like stop trying to move the ball and score. I, I don't know what changes over halftime that, that they've now done that twice, two games in a row without any second half points is definitely scary, but I do think the health of the wide receiver core and the consistency of the O-line will continue to, to show out well going forward.
1: Yeah. Big test this week with Baylor. Steven I mean, more confusing than Gary Patterson's comments are, what in the hell is happening to that TCU defense? I mean, they can't stop the run. They're getting, they are getting—they did force three interceptions, but also when they weren't picking the ball off, they were getting absolutely shredded by SMU's passing game and Tanner Mordecai. What's going on there, and, and, and what's the kind of conversation about what they can do to kind of get this thing turned around on defense? Right, yeah. The most concerning thing to
3: me about the, the loss Saturday, a couple of years ago when SMU beat them, you know, Sonny Dyke spent some time on staff there at ECU, and they came out and they are running like a lot of trick plays and kind of throwing the kitchen sink out there, and they fell behind and then they couldn't come back. So you sort of felt like, okay, well, he had obviously a really good idea of how to attack Gary Patterson. But uh, this game, I mean, it was just line the ball up and run. I mean, there wasn't anything fancy about it. They are getting shoved off the ball. Part of that was Corey Bethley was out, you know, their senior defensive tackle, um, and he should be back this week but they're also probably going to face better rushing attacks than the SMB Mustangs throughout the rest of the season. So I don't really know what they do, Josh. I mean, you can, Gary's obviously really sharp and he can scheme things up and they tend to improve as the year goes on. Uh, but you really can't, I mean there's nothing you can do strategically do account for your interior guys just getting shoved off the football. So I do think part of what happened was they were trying to slow down that quick passing game that SMB likes to, Work so much. And because of that, there were some light boxes. Uh, But if you, I mean, if you put seven, eight guys in the box, you've also seen, as you said earlier, 17 yards per completion. Like you have corners who are struggling to man coverage. So uh, if if they can get Noah Daniels back on the outside, get Corey Bethley back in the interior, those things will help. But there's some communication issues with some of these new guys. I think there's just uh, a little bit of a lack of talent. And I I don't know. In in the past, they've been able to sort of come together, and by the end of the year, they look more like that TCU defense we've become accustomed to. I'm not sure this team has the personnel to do that. And if that's the case, then I mean, I think really the recipe is giving the ball to Zach Evans. So he had another big game on, on Saturday, and he had 18 touches. And that's, I mean, that's a significant number, but it's still not enough in my mind. Like when he gets his hands on the football, so far, he's clearly been the best player on the field. So um, yes. slow down the game with him running the ball. And maybe that helps both sides of of your uh, your team on offense and defense.
1: I will say that's the one thing they have to They play Texas this week. That's the one thing you got to do is kind of play some keep away, right? That's, that's what you're going to have to do. It, it, the communication thing I want to touch on really fast, that has to be it. I mean, there was some stuff over the middle of the field this week where it's like that's the only way guys were that open. It really felt like that.
3: Yeah, I, I definitely underestimated like how much losing Trayvon Merrick and Ardarias Washington in the back end was gonna hurt that team. Like I, I thought from a talent standpoint, because they had some guys like Josh Foster and TJ Carter, the transfer from Memphis came over and he's played a little bit of safety and corner for them. Um, but I mean the signals and the calls and they're just it's it's breakdown after breakdown. Um, just responsibilities aren't getting challenged. So I think that's where they're missing those guys the most is just making sure everybody's on the same page and not letting receivers run free because there's been a lot of that the first couple weeks of the season.
1: Jacob, uh, what is your thought on, you know, I think the the, the two teams that, that are outside of the power five right now that feel like they've got a legitimate chance at going undefeated uh, and having a chance to go to the playoff are actually two teams that are going to join the Bay 12 conference. It's BYU and Cincinnati. Um, I think, personally speaking, if Cincinnati were to beat Notre Dame and run the table, um, I don't think they would be able to be denied a playoff spot, and here's my reasoning why. If Clemson had gone 11-1, and 12-1, if you will, they would have gotten in, right? But their schedule would not have been as good as Cincinnati's schedule would have been, especially considering games against Indiana and one at Notre Dame, how weak that Clemson schedule is. And also, BYU's schedule, likewise – is a really it's 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 robust as as how I would describe it. I mean, they get Baylor, they've got uh, Virginia, they've got USC, uh, they had Utah, they had Arizona State. I mean, they've got good enough teams on there. I think if they run the table to potentially make a case, what is kind of the conversation? I know it's a week at a time, but what's kind of the conversation been around this idea, if you will?
4: Well, BYU fans—they're familiar with last year. They went 11 and one. They came up a yard short from going 12 and zero. So mm-hmm. they—they're—they're they're very happy with how things are going in Provo right now. But I'm actually with you. I think Cincinnati. You go meet Notre Dame in South Bend. You absolutely are on track. I would have no problem saying that Luke Fickle and the Bearcats should be in the running to make the college football playoff. Now. I do have my concerns, though, that I consider the college football playoff as currently constituted an invitational. It, it exists to mm-hmm. uphold the power five. And there are teams inside that power five who will always be held up, it feels like. I'm not looking at you, Ohio State. <laughs> uh, but it's just, I think that if either one of these teams were to make that run, it'd be really, really cool. The only thing about that is, either one of these teams makes that run, that coach may be the next head coach at USC, because both Fickle and Kalani Satake have both been in the running or at least rumored to be in the running down there in Los Angeles to take over the Trojans. We'll see what happens. I know that BYU is intent on keeping Satake. He's mm-hmm. a guy who has always wanted to be in Provo. He grew up a fan of the program, played for the program, wanted to be the, for lack of a better term, Polynesian Lavelle Edwards. That's what he's always wanted to be. He'd like to stay in Provo, but at some point money could come calling for him, and the fact that they've won 14 of their last 15 games – that's very attractive to some h- more high-level programs.
1: Yeah, I, I, and I bet a lot of the fans, and I, I bet the opportunity for him to lead them into a new conference too is definitely appealing. I don't know. I thought, isn't the rumor Anthony Lynn is weirdly I, being considered?
4: It, 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 it changes day to day. It was Eric Biannimi for a minute there. It, I, who knows? And the thing about Kalani and Luke Fickle, I think neither one of them have the – Sex appeal that USC is looking right. for. They they want to win the prize conference, but they also want to win big. If they, but we all know that the Pete Carroll thing. He was the what fourth, fifth uh, pick when he led them to all those glory years in the two thousands. So I don't know. We'll find out. But I know BYU is excited to have Kalani on board. They really are uh, thinking. Okay, this is a guy who's going to lead us into the Big Twelve. They're intent on keeping him in Provo. But you keep winning at this clip and. You're going to have plenty of people busting down your door saying, hey, come, play, come coach us.
1: And one quick thing before we move on here, big announcement, they're playing Notre Dame next year in uh, Allegiant, yeah. State, Allegiant Stadium. Yeah. Do you think that once BYU joins the Big 12, they're going to continue to schedule these kinds of games in the non-conference? Uh, at least that that's the kind of the effort and the goal. Do you think that will change at all?
4: They've, they have game contracts as an independent out to the 2030s. So there's going I was going to be a say, of, they
1: probably do, yeah.
4: There's a lot of amendments that are going to be coming. I think that the, the folding games like Bay, the Baylor series that they've had in there, I think they have some other uh, future Big 12 series that will obviously be folded in now joining the conference. I do think BYU is intent on taking big swings and playing big games. Will they always schedule an FCS game? Probably, but if they can get the likes of a USC, of a Notre Dame Insert big name team here. BYU is not afraid to take a big cut at those teams. So I think they will still try to schedule them. And the funny thing is, they could probably amend some of these contracts and really have their non conference schedule set up seemingly for the next two decades.
0: Saturday's home game against Baylor will be the gridiron reunion celebration. And this year, we're celebrating the 2011 Cowboy football team what that team and this weekend means to me and all of Oklahoma state fans coming up. But before we move on, this episode is brought to you by rock auto as a woman going in for an oil change or any, but uh, I had to go get a brake light, whatever it is going in and being uh, talked to in a dismissive manner is never fun rock auto's website is super easy to use and if you're comfortable doing your own work on your car it's a fantastic alternative rock auto is a family business that has been serving DIYers for over 20 years go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there how did you hear about us box so that they know we sent you again make sure you let them know locked on sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com one final word from our sponsors at betonline.ag betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports it's that time of year again football is finally all the way back as always BetOnline is your number one spot for all pro and college football action this season Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, and be sure to take advantage of promo code Locked On to receive a 100% welcome bonus. NFL season, college football season, they're all underway, and if football isn't right up your alley, they have everything from basketball to baseball to boxing and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Be sure to use Promo code locked on again. That's promo code locked on for your welcome bonus. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So this weekend is the Gridiron reunion. Always a special weekend for me as my dad played for Oklahoma State. So we always get to go and really experience the reunion part of it. I mean, it's always great to be in Stillwater on game day, but when I'm getting to meet former players and and people in the media. It's always a really good time for me. I've never had a bad time. We've been going to these for several years. I'm super excited to be there this year. As last year, I didn't go to any games because of the COVID pandemic. So I'm, I'm very excited to be back in Stillwater this weekend. Of course, this year, we're celebrating the 2011 Oklahoma State football team, a team that I hold very near and dear to my heart while i've always watched football and and cheered for the pokes really 2011 that that year of my life i was going through a lot of changes i really committed to the sports side of my world that year so a lot of a lot of 2011 was when my fascination and and my obsession with college sports and and pro sports picked up the pace that year was the brandon whedon justin blackman year That offense was absolutely unstoppable. They hung huge numbers on every team we faced that year. Mike Gundy is quoted as saying that he thinks that we would have had no problem hanging with LSU in the national championship. Of course, we all believe fervently that that team was the best team in the nation that year. It was just such, like I said, it was my first year of college. It was such an important part of of my college experience, watching that 2011 team, going to watch the Bedlam game, you know, at a house party with a bunch of Sooner fans and Oklahoma State coming out on top. So it was just, it brought a lot of fantastic memories. It, of course, also comes gift-wrapped with the possibly most heart-wrenching memory of any Oklahoma State football fans that missed field goal against Iowa State, missed being a um a term you can kind of ride the fence on of course if you see the video it looks like the football went end over end over the upright but the refs said it was no good and and that was really all she wrote on that season and it was heartbreaking i i do not say that lightly it was not a great night but it led to a lot of friendships being built because of of the way that that game impacted you. I think that's the beautiful thing about sports, is it it can really impact you so deeply that you have these insane feelings that you're like, this is a sport, I should not be that concerned with it. But it does, it it can affect your mood, depending on how much of a devoted fan you are. It's certainly affected my mood uh, every Saturday for several years, so... That year was just really, it was such a special year for us, and, and for it to go down like that was heartbreaking. I can't wait to be there this weekend. I hope to get to talk to a bunch of former Oklahoma State Cowboys. Hopefully I can con some of them into coming on the show, so keep your fingers crossed for that. Make sure to check back in tomorrow for the keys to victory against the Baylor Bears. Remember, you can find me at Lindellians on Twitter or follow the show at Locked underscore on underscore Pokes on Twitter or the Locked on Pokes Facebook page. Betting on the NFL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks, and Lee Sterling's Lock of the Day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. I will talk to you all tomorrow. Go Pokes!